Esther chapter 7. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen. The king said again to Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther the queen answered, If I have found favour in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. If we had been sold for male and female slaves, I would have held my peace, although the adversary could not have compensated for the king's loss. Then King Ahasuerus said to Esther the queen, Who is he? And where is he who dared presume in his heart to do so? Esther said, An adversary and an enemy, even this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. The king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman had fallen on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he even assault the queen in front of me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbana, one of the eunuchs who were with the king, said, Behold, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman has made for Mordecai, who spoke good for the king, is standing at Haman's house. The king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and then the king's wrath was pacified. So this is the second banquet that Esther has had with the king, and finally she's gotten the king, and she's got <laughs> Haman, and they're all alone, and she's able to basically say, king, I'm here to plead for my life and the life of my people. And the king's like, what? And then she points a finger at Haman and says, this vile Haman, it depends on your translation. This one said this wicked Haman. Another translation called him the vile Haman. Either way, she points the finger and she, it's very certain. And Esther has set this up so perfectly. She's thought through how she's going to make this request. She doesn't say, um, she, she says, you know, if we had just been sold as slaves, I wouldn't have complained. So she doesn't come across as proud, and that maybe that's on purpose, or maybe she's just not proud. But she says, but I'd like to request for my life and the life of my people. And he says, who would do such a thing? <laughs> and um, so this is a case of a complete reversal of just, you know, one chapter ago, where Haman was on top, thought he had, you know, but, but the Lord, you know, was in this right from the beginning. And Esther was told by her uncle not to reveal that she was a Jewess. The king didn't know. I mean, all the little details of the story are, are amazing, but the Lord was in them all to bring it to this moment. Now, interestingly, at the very start of the book, you know, Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, used to sit at the king's gate, and Haman, who is basically the prime minister, he would um, come and go, and he wanted people to bow down to him everywhere he went, but Mordecai would never bow down to him. Because Mordecai, you know, he would only bow down to the Lord. And uh, that's what got Haman so angry in the first place, that he wanted to kill all the Jews. And what happens in this chapter is that um, Esther points at him, points out the problem, points that Haman is the problem. The king is so angry. And while he's gone out of the room in his wrath, 
What does Haman do? He bows down at the feet of Esther and pleads for his life. So Haman ends up doing, it says here that he he threw himself on the couch. Well, um, trying to make sense of this, all the different commentators, but basically it seems like when they had a meal, it was like the Last Supper or like Roman or Greek custom, they would lay down. So the couch was kind of like a low thing. They were laying down at the table. So Esther's on the couch. So it seems like he's thrown himself on the couch, but he's like grabbing her legs or something like that and pleading for his life. So the ironic thing is that it, he's basically bowing down to Esther. So the, the story starts where he's all upset that a Jew won't bow down to him, but it ends up he is bowing down to a Jew and it's a female Jew. Um, so it's a complete reversal of the situation. And then the king comes back in and sees Haman laying on the couch or laying down and he thinks that he's assaulting Esther. So he's even more angry. And it says they covered his head and took him away. Well, you know, when there's executions, that's often what they do. They often put a covering over the head and he was hanged on the gallows, which was 50 cubits high. Now that's a big gallows. A cubit is 48 centimeters. So we're talking roughly speaking 50 centimeters, which is, you know, if you've got 50 cubits, it's roughly a 25 meter high pole. It's very high. So um, probably it was on top of a wall or something. So the pole wasn't 25 meters high, probably, but probably it was on a pole or on something else so that it was 25 meters high and very visible to everybody. And so Haman is executed. His very own plan that he put into place to bring the downfall of Mordecai ends up being his own downfall. And there are proverbs that talk about this thing, about those who plot evil you know, will, will be destroyed. There are things like that that you can read in the proverbs. Well, that's what's happened to Haman. And some people think they get away with evil because um, they seem to do it in this life, but they forget that we serve an eternal God and that these statements are true in every sense of the word, that people who plot evil and people who plan evil against others, they meet their own doom. Even if it's not in this life like Haman, they will ultimately stand before the Lord and there will be consequences. And so I guess we read a chapter like this and we're happy because we think, yes, Esther's been delivered, but it's also a somber reminder that there are people who, whose hearts are evil and wrong and uh, we're taught as, as Christians, you know, to love our enemies, pray for them, who do, pray for those who do evil to you. It's really hard to imagine praying for a Haman-type character. Um, and yet we're called to be a different type of people. And yet the story of Esther teaches us that the Lord is our deliverer, and he certainly is. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Esther 7. Thank you that you're our deliverer. Thank you that you're able to change circumstances completely and... Lord, you're able to take our adversary, Lord, Satan. Lord, just like Haman was destroyed completely and thoroughly and humiliated, Lord, you did the same to Satan. And Lord, we've been set free. And I ask that your grace would now carry us forward, Lord, to live a life of salvation, to live a life of, of glorious joy and service to you. In Jesus' name, amen.